Good morning, friends. Good morning. Would you like to worship with us? Would you stand and sing with us, please? Welcome to worship. It's so good to see you this morning. Today is Confirmation Sunday, and we'll be celebrating the Confirmands at the 11 o'clock service. The next Just for the Guys meeting will be here at the church on Thursday, April the 29th at 6 p.m. at the barbecue pit. And the Pathfinders Sunday School class will resume on May 2nd at 10 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. And now that we've returned to two services, the Spark Worship for Kids has expanded. So it will be at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock 
and all children are invited. The first scripture reading today comes from Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, and Luke has written this book as a historian to tell what happened after the resurrection of Jesus, and is telling us how the gospel spread rapidly from Jerusalem. All the believers were one in mind and heart. Selfishness was not a part of their community, for they shared everything they had with one another. The apostles gave powerful testimonies about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great measures of grace rested upon them all. Some who owned houses or land sold them and brought the proceeds before the apostles to distribute to those without. Not a single person among them was needy. The word of God for the people of God. Let's join together in an attitude of prayer. Loving God, we gather today to praise you, to tell of your love, and to give you thanks. We thank you especially for the life revealed to us in Christ Jesus. Jesus, who is faithful and just to forgive our sins when we confess them. Lord, cleanse our hearts that we might all be shining mirrors that reflect the light of your life and your love to all of those living in darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so
Begin our rainbows and rattlesnakes this morning with again a thanks to our musicians and uh, the beautiful music they always supply us with. Praise the Lord. My next rainbow, of course, is seeing all of y'all. This is pretty cool. This looks like church, and uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Praise the Lord. One rainbow I want to mention because we are, you know, this congregation, we have historically had a Boy Scout troop that we supported and, and continue to support, and we still do, and it's a great relationship. They do a lot of good things for the church and vice versa. On Thursday evening, there were seven Cub Scouts who became Boy Scouts. That's a good thing, so we want to give praise and thanks for that. That's a rainbow. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for this gorgeous day and for all that you bless us with. We thank you for the light of your good and your love. We lift up those we named and many who remain unnamed, but we know that you know who they are. 
before the words form on our tongues. We lift up those who are in areas of the world that are torn by violence. We lift up those who don't have the basic necessities of life. We lift up the leaders of this country and all the countries of the world that they would seek and do your will, that your children would live in peace and harmony, that it would be here as it is in your kingdom of heaven. We ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our understanding as the scriptures are proclaimed this morning. Let us hear from you. Let us be led by your Holy Spirit to carry out your will and to show your love as your son always did. And now we pray as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We had this really ugly banana plant. It was a scraggly little thing. Rebecca had it in a, one of those little planters pots, and I guess it spent most of last winter, actually winter before last because we're into spring, so last winter just ended. And she put it out in the spring about this time last year. It's amazing. I mean, it grew to be ginormous. I'm not exaggerating. The trunk of it is like this. But then we had that, that little, little cold snap on Valentine's Day, right? And, oh, boy, those great big wide leaves, they look like gobbledygook after, after it warmed back up after a few days. They ended up in the green can about a week and a half ago they started coming up again around the stump, you know. And right now there, there are four of them that are pretty good size, and the tallest one's about this tall now already. It's amazing. They were, they were coming up, and they've, they're up into the light, and they're growing. A miracle. And we still, you know, we try to figure out all these things. You know, we can, we can talk about cell division, and we can talk about photosynthesis, and we can talk about all this stuff, but what makes that thing live? I mean, really, what makes that thing live? Where did that life come from? That life that's seeking the light. It's amazing. It's a miracle. It's, it's God in action. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the first letter of John, which John Wesley said, by the way, if a preacher were going to imitate any, of the, any part of the oracles of God, it should be the first epistle to John. I'm going to read the first chapter and to the second verse of the second chapter. Consider the word of the Lord. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, 
what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testify to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in the darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. God of light, God of life. God of love and goodness. God who created all we see from that which was unseen. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. Well, what's the author talking about here? What he's doing here is rebutting a couple of heresies that are going on in the early church community. This epistle was written sometime probably in the 90s, the first century 90s, to a community of Christian believers. And there had arisen a split, a schism in the, the believers there because some of the folks were teaching something that wasn't true. What they were teaching specifically was a type of Gnosticism. You know, Gnosticism, gnosis 
is, is the Greek word for knowledge. It's the word we get our, our word knowledge from. And the Gnosticists believed that everything that was material was evil, that physical material things were evil, and that only spiritual things were good. We have, I think we actually have some modern-day Gnostics. Uh, I'm sure of it, in fact, because I've, I still hear about people who think inanimate objects are evil. Strange idea, I think. There was a particular branch of Gnosticism called docetism, okay, uh, from the Greek word docet, meaning to seem. And some of these people had filtered into some of the early Christian communities there. No different than today. Sometimes people with flaky ideas filter into Christian communities, right? It happens. continues to happen, you know. You know, like, uh, like we read in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. So these folks said that Jesus was just a spirit. He was just a spirit. He was just a vapor. He just looked like somebody, right? That he wasn't really flesh and blood, which is, of course, a heresy, you know? Uh, Jesus was fully human, just like we are, tempted in all ways, just like we are. You know, the Scripture tells us that in numerous places. And then also, they carried it a step further. They said, if we possess this special knowledge and understand that material things are evil and Jesus was really just a vapor and, and not a flesh and blood person, then we don't have any sin. There's no sin in us. You know, so that's what that, that's what we're reading about there. He's, he's saying, okay, Jesus was real; he was flesh and blood, and we sin. We sin, and if we say we're not sinning, we're lying. That's what we read there in chapter one, and the and the rest of the first epistle of John there goes on to expound on these basic beliefs. But that's the basic the basic controversy there. So what does, he, what does he say? He says, what we have known from the beginning, okay, from the beginning. And we know that Jesus was with God from the beginning, in the beginning. And we know some other things about Jesus, too, that demonstrate his humanity, his flesh and blood, like all of us. You know, when we, when we have communion... What do we say? We say he healed the sick, he fed the hungry, and he ate with sinners. All right? We confess that when we have communion. And it says there, this is what we have heard, what we've seen with our eyes, and what we've touched with our hands. And, when, and the word he uses there for touch is more than just if I were to you know, rub my fingers against your hand or something like that or touch the back of your neck. It's, it's more like a forensic deal, like if you were examining something. You look at all the different aspects of it, all the facets of it. That's what he's talking about. Same word that's used in Luke chapter 24 
which we'll talk about some next week. But it's the same word that's used there in Luke chapter 24 when Jesus says, examine my hands, look at me, touch me. It's more than just a cursory glance or touch. What had they heard? They'd heard a lot of things, but this morning I want us to, I just want to focus on a few things that show Jesus' humanity and how the early community, the early Christian community, clearly understood that Jesus was flesh and blood and he wasn't just a spirit, you see. And you see, a, a whole lot hinges on this if you, if you really think about it. If Jesus were just a spirit, then the crucifixion and the resurrection are no big deal, right? He just, you know, appears up there and then he disappears for a couple of days and then he shows up again. You know, so it's it's a it's a very very fundamental belief to our faith, and it's something that clearly had to be defended. Well, I'd like to I'd like to suggest one of the things they heard Jesus say was what he said to Peter in John chapter twenty one after he was risen from the dead, and when he again was as I mentioned alluded to a minute ago, in Luke chapter 24, flesh and blood. He, remember he showed up on the beach early in the morning because they had all reverted to their old natures. Peter said, I'm going fishing, right? And he took some of his fellow disciples with him. And Jesus shows up and after they eat breakfast and uh, Jesus had a... Uh, I guess a Moby Jack there on the beach with them, or of some other type of fish of plate. He's talking to Peter, and he says, what? He says, Peter, do you love me? This is what Jesus' disciples heard him saying all the time. But he showed it to them in other ways. But he said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? You know, he asked him three times, and And finally he says, well, if you love me, feed my sheep. Again, one of the things that he had demonstrated in his life. And not only have we heard him, the author says, we've seen him. We've seen him. And they saw him, of course, many times. But I think about, particularly when I was thinking about these scriptures this week, The time in Luke chapter 2, excuse me, Mark chapter 2, when Jesus is teaching and the house is packed, right? It's a full house of people there. And these four folks bring along the paralytic man on the stretcher. And they can't get in the door. They can't get in the door. The ushers had done a cruddy job. And they hadn't kept the aisles clear and seated people properly. And uh, there was just a mass there. So they climb up on the roof and tear a hole in the roof, right? And lower this guy down. I think about this particular time in this particular context too because not only did Jesus heal this man, which again is what? It's an indication of the importance of the flesh. 
Jesus knew it was important for us to be whole. Just like feeding us, that's something that's important to the flesh. But he said to the guy, he said to the paralytic, right, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Get up and get out of here, right? He's probably a little more compassionate than I am, but anyway, I'm, I'm sure a lot more. And then it says we've touched him, you know, we've touched him. Again, he's directly refuting these people. See, you can't, you put your hand through Casper the ghost, right? If you, if you reach out there. But they had touched Jesus, and Jesus touched them. In Luke chapter 7, we read about Jesus going to have supper. Again, spirits don't eat. So Jesus goes to have supper at the house of Simon, the Pharisee. And a woman comes in and anoints his feet, pours oil over him, wipes his feet with her hair. You know, remember what Simon said to Jesus? He said, you know, if this character was a prophet, he would know what kind of person is touching him, right? But, of course, Jesus didn't say, Simon, you're a bonehead. Of course I know who and what this woman is. He didn't say that, did he? No, because he always, he demonstrated God's love in the flesh. He says, Simon, if you loan somebody 500 denarii and you loan somebody 50 denarii and neither one of them gets around to paying you back and you forgive the debt, which one of them will love you the most? Then the writer goes on to say that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Wow. This is what we have known from the beginning. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And, of course, Jesus said what? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but have the light of life the light of life wow I think the light of life is exhibited in many ways but the three examples I just gave are good examples of the light of life Jesus also said what? I mean, y'all know, y'all probably hate it when I say this scripture because I say it so much. But, but I say it so much because I want you to know it. I want you to remember it. I want you to breathe it. I want you to live it. Because I believe it to be the truth. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said what? He said, the thief, the thief, the thief, who of course is Satan, the adversary, the devil, whatever moniker you want to use, comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance. Abundance, okay? 
it ain't light, it ain't life if it's killing, stealing, or destroying. And God's not the author of it. God's not the author of it. It's a lie. Walking in the light, at least partially, and there are many aspects to walking in the light. I mean, after all, is light a particle or is it a wave? And the answer, of course, is yes. Walking in the light is abundant life. And then he answers the second challenge, right? Or the, the second heresy that's being addressed here. These people are walking around saying, well, I'm without sin, right? Whoop-de-doo. That's a good thing, huh? And the author, you know, clearly says, you know, if you say you're without sin, you're deceiving yourself. You're walking in the darkness. You're being a liar. You're making him a liar, right? We've all sinned. We all continue to sin. But the truth of the matter is, yes, we do sin. But again, if we ask for forgiveness, we'll get it. We'll get it. Jesus will forgive us, you know. As it says there in uh, what Hebrews chapter 4, we have a high priest who is like us, tempted in every way and yet without sin. And he's our advocate, okay? Now, here's the really good news. The really good news is, is that we are the body of Christ today. And it's our place today to walk around here and to shine the light in those dark places. And I'm not going to begin to expound on those dark places. You all know about bunches of them. None of us know about all of them, but all of us know about some of them. So I encourage you this morning, be a follower of Jesus. Don't walk in the darkness, but walk in the light of life. Amen? Go in peace. And as you go, go with the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the steadfast love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. strong